Amen. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. These days, it seems like we're no longer complaining about how much time is spent watching TV. In the years prior, it seems that one of the hot buzzwords, especially among parents of smaller children, is screen time. Apple even now has a feature on their devices that tracks the amount of time spent using their devices and reporting on it weekly by category. Every Sunday morning, I get a notification, your screen time was up 15% this week or whatever. But not only that, it can limit the amount of screen time for kids using phones and tablets. But when the world shuts down, the screen time limits are off, right? Maybe you've seen how the major streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon Prime will stop every once in a while and ask, are you still watching? In case, you know, somebody fell asleep with the TV on or left the room. In times like these, we take it as a personal insult that Netflix would dare judge our TV watching habits like that. The other day, I heard my daughter yell out from the other room, Oh, come on, are you kidding me? We're doing the best we can. We're trying to work with the situation that we have before us rather than the situation that we don't. We'd love it if this whole virus thing was over. We'd be glad if the shutdown was over and we could congregate again. We would rejoice to be anywhere but here. Not here, here, because you'd probably rather be here than stuck at home. And since you've been stuck at home lately, some of you might have noticed that Amazon Prime Video has a really neat feature called X-Ray. It allows you to take a closer look inside the movie or TV show that you're watching. Just bring up X-Ray and you get a sneak peek of who the actors are and what other work they've done. Oh, that's where I know them from and things like this. So what I'd like to do with you this morning, since you're having holy sanctified screen time, what I'd like to do is enable the X-Ray feature on John 11. We all refer to this passage, of course, as the raising of Lazarus. And if you've read through to the end, you know that that's precisely what this text is about. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead as a sneak peek of the things to come in his own resurrection. And you might recall from John's Gospel that this also led to a whole bunch of Jesus' enemies decide that not only were they going to kill Jesus, but if you read a little further past today's reading, they decided to kill Lazarus too. Lazarus had to go. The guy was a walking, talking testimony to Jesus' power and authority. The raising of Lazarus is an amazing event that we have here in the season of Lent right before we head into Holy Week because that's also when it happened during the ministry of Jesus, right before Palm Sunday. So let's turn on X-ray for a moment. If you were to pause right here at the beginning, this isn't yet a story about Jesus raising Lazarus. It's a story about Lazarus being dead. It's a story about Martha in mourning for her brother who had died. It's a story of Martha lamenting the fact that Jesus wasn't there when she wanted him to be. 
But most importantly, it's about Jesus comforting Martha in her grief. We could title this first section, Jesus Comforts Martha on the Long Road to Resurrection. You and I, dear friends, are on that same road. There's more grief and pain than we know what to do with. And so the words of Jesus to Martha are comfort to us today as well. The words of Jesus and the works of Jesus are a comfort to us when we'd rather be anywhere but here. When Lazarus was alive and had fallen ill, Martha sent word to Jesus that he could be there to come and help. If anyone could help, it was Jesus. In fact, Lazarus' name probably means the one whom God helps. And yet, John tells us that when Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And when Jesus finally does arrive, it appears that he's too late. Lazarus is already dead. And Martha and Mary are filled with sorrow. Martha, like many of us today, is stuck somewhere she'd rather not be. She's stuck between knowing what could have been, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, and where things could be. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's a hard place to be. We know that place well. We'd rather be anywhere but here, stuck in the middle of what could have been and what will eventually be. Having hope in Christ, we know that everything will turn out for the best in the end. But in the meantime, there are plenty of things that we'd sure like to have Jesus here to set straight. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here before, I would not have gotten sick. Lord, if you had been here, my marriage would still be intact. This in-between place. Standing on the long road to resurrection, it's a place where many of us spend a great deal of our lives. When we look to the past, we know what might have been. When we look to the future, we know what will be. But here we are, stuck somewhere that we don't want to be. What could have been and what will be don't do much to affect the present situation in our lives. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. But then, Jesus speaks to Martha on this long road to resurrection. He is using the present tense here. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He doesn't point to the past. I was the resurrection and the life. He doesn't point to the future. I will be the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus takes the power of resurrection and the promise of life and embeds it into his own flesh. Who stands before you right now is the resurrection and the life for you. And what this means is that even before Lazarus steps out of that tomb in his grave clothes, when the King James Version says, he stinketh, 
before he steps out of the tomb, before Jesus bursts from the tomb on Easter Sunday, right then and there as Martha stands in the middle of the street on the long road to resurrection, when she'd rather be anywhere but there, Jesus is the resurrection and the life for her, even in her sorrow. Resurrection and life are not just concepts or events. They are a person. Specifically, the second person of the Holy Trinity. The resurrection is a voice that can be heard, a hand that can be touched, a Savior who can be trusted even in the midst of sorrow. What Jesus teaches us is that we do not have to wait until our bodies and those of our loved ones come out of the tomb to participate in the resurrection and the life. We have the resurrection and life even now. We don't have to silence our suffering, mask our mourning, or placate our pain. Instead, we can receive them as holy. They are reminders for us that Jesus is our only hope in this world. Even our sufferings are signposts on the long road to resurrection. Monuments that demonstrate that our ever-present Jesus is among us and is strengthening us for the journey and walking with us every step of the way. Remember in our epistle that St. Paul declares, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So wherever you are on this long road, whether you're content with where you are, happy to have a little vacation maybe, or if you'd rather be anywhere but here, remember that Jesus has come to be with you. He has taken on flesh and become your Savior so that He may dwell with you. He is your resurrection and your life even now, even in the midst of worry and even in the midst of sorrow. And as we await the last day, we can walk this road in the light of Him who has already secured our resurrection and life for us by His cross and His own empty tomb. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen.